Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time, nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started with my guest today, who also happens to be my BFF, the silver lining to my cancer journey, I wanted to remind the listeners out there that I'm putting together Warrior Stories episodes. So email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org with your stories of inspiration, what helped you through your cancer journey, or how your life has changed for the better since cancer. Submission should be five to 10 minutes long and in your own words. And I also wanted to give a shout out to two of our listeners, Lana from Everett, Washington, and Patricia from Alabama, who recently gave me some real positive encouragement for the podcast. I so appreciate it. And if anyone else would like to do so, please, you can email uh, to the Voice America email address, which is somewhere on the link. I apologize. I don't know exactly where. Or michellebeck at breastfriends.org, or even rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I would love to see all of that. So as we get started today, this episode wraps up our three-part series on life after cancer. If you missed the first two parts, you probably want to go back and listen to the ones on August 18th and August 25th. And I know we have a lot to cover today, so let's get to them. Welcome, Yvonne Nightdigger. Oh, hi, thank you, Michelle. Thanks for welcoming me back, especially this morning after I've had one of those mornings we all dread. I, Michelle and I were <laughs> laughing. I went downstairs to fix a cup of coffee really quickly, and I was was turning my back on it and realized a minute later that I'd put my coffee on and forgot to put my cup underneath. So my, my non-cup of coffee runneth over downstairs while I'm waiting up here. So, <laughs> Well, I know you'll be fabulous even without all that coffee. Well, and thank Thank you. And thank you for uh, this series has been such a joy. I hope everyone out there has had a chance to listen to, like you say, the first two parts. And I also want to give a real quick shout out to Lana and Everett Washington, simply because my family is all from Everett Washington. Um, I Both my parents graduated from Everett High School. And if you happen to know any of the Monlux family up in Everett, I am related to every single one of them. And there is a whole lot of them. So anyway, small hi, world. I know, isn't it? I saw that this morning and I thought, wow, isn't that wonderful? So somebody from my, some, somebody from my, my background, it's wonderful. But yes, as um, those of you who've been with us before know, I am myself a 11-year warrior woman, 11-year survivor, yes, of uh, stage three breast cancer. And after my journey, um, I went through actually without having a lot of women to talk to and without a real good support system in terms of people who knew a lot about what was happening to me. Uh, I had wonderful friends and family. I had great support in terms of my medical community. But when it came right down to having people to talk to who understood what I was going through, I did not have that. And I know there are a lot of you out there that have experienced the same thing where you will, um, you will 
in the future say, gosh, I had all these great people around me, but nobody really knew what I was going through. So hopefully this series has shed a little light on the fact that number one, you're not alone. And number two, there are tips and tools to help you kind of navigate this rather slippery part of the journey. And yeah, so it's been, it's been a great journey and we've looked at a lot of different things, but today we're gonna to go over some of the value assessments that we were talking about last week. And we're gonna highlight highlight some of the wheel, the, the spokes on our wheel, the, the dingy ones and the broken ones and the not so broken ones. And, you know, I'm hoping you had a chance to look at the images. Um, if you did not remember, Michelle has posted them on her link, um, ineverlikedpink.com. And you can go back and play around with that a bit. So, yeah, yeah, Michelle. So well, thank you excited. for being here. And when Yvonne mentions the tips and tools, I think of Yvonne's brain when it comes to things like this, as all of you Harry Potter fans will recognize this, Hermione's bag that literally she pulls <laughs> everything out of the tent, the light, the, the wands, the clothes, like she has this little tiny purse. So I feel like, I feel like that's what Yvonne is. She's this, she's this human <laughs> that literally has tips and tools coming out of her brain and her heart like there's no tomorrow. So she's an endless supply of information. And I love that number one, that she's my silver lining to my cancer. And, but also I can really, she, she knows her stuff. So thank you for being here again. Um, but can you explain to our listeners how the value assessment works? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a, exercise that has been done in lots of different mediums, but basically what we're looking at is an opportunity to um, look at uh, 10 values. And of course, 10 is always that magic number. You can look at 12 if you want. You're not going to, you know, fall off a cliff if you do a few extras. <laughs> but um, picking 10 values that really resonate with you, uh, we can take that first step in the process of just choosing those values, choosing the words that resonate, and then we're going to to look at how that actually proceeds and what it feels like to take that list, take a peek at it as a choice, and then take a peek of it at it as how it's showing up in your journey after cancer, because it's surprising. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. very surprising. I, I did mine yesterday and I was, I was very <laughs> intrigued at the results. So you can evaluate me in a little bit, Good. but I'm, I'm looking at this chart and there are about 50 words on there. And, but how do we know really what they mean? I'm cause I'm sure it changes over time. The definitions based on our priorities. Yeah, and I think that's one of the interesting things about it because um, there are certain words that uh, before your cancer journey, the word achievement, which is the first word on the list, may have a totally different meaning to you. Um, achievement might mean in your professional career, getting as far ahead as you possibly can, um, working those extra hours, being that person who always takes on the extra credit, being that, that driven, um, and unfortunately in society, that is what so many times uh, gauges our achievement. But after cancer, the term achievement takes on such a different role. Suddenly mm -hmm. it becomes, what am I actually achieving in my life? What is a real achievement? What means more to me now that I've maybe looked at this, this diagnosis as a, a tipping point? So yeah, I think choosing those words, and also you're going to find that there are words throughout the list that may 
have um, similar meanings, but suddenly they feel different. The mm-hmm. word God means one thing, but possibly the word spirituality has suddenly become a word that um, you've embraced. Maybe your, your faith was challenged during your cancer journey, but you also discovered a different type of spirituality that you might not have had prior to that. So do you see what I mean? It's something mm-hmm. that it's kind of a give and take before and again, like we say, after a diagnosis of breast cancer. And so we're kind of evaluating the then the what you want it to be like the, the what you the most what you think are the most important but then you kind of look back and say okay here's the actual and i i was very interested when i did mine so i'm sure you have some sneaky like formulas about word placement <laughs> that you know oh, that yes like, yeah so pull, pull yeah, that out of yeah, your bag yeah. for me wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah it's surprising how when women will do this and again like you say that's exactly right um the first the first go by or pass by is what you feel the values should be in our lives. And that knee-jerk reaction is oftentimes based on what we have been taught or what we kind of think it should be. And then the second pass by is where are they really showing up? And again, um, as I mentioned before, some of the things are going to be peaks some of the things are going to be valleys. Mm-hmm. You're going to have those words that uh, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, I might have had in, in my, my value assessment, health and wellness could have been very high on my list. And post-cancer, it kind of skittered down. Yeah, Michelle's, mm-hmm. Michelle knows this one because we've talked about this. And it does. It skitters down the list. Or um, for many of us, um, intimacy can be something that's very, very high on our list of importance, but with all of the unfortunate issues that go on during breast cancer, um, some of which we've talked about, it's moved to a space that's almost hiding. My, mine had moved almost to a 10. So yeah, they can switch around. So tell me, how did, what were the things that kind of caught you by surprise, Michelle? Well, it's funny. On my list, um, my value of order of importance, number one was family. Um, not shocked by that at all. And you can tell what I'm obviously craving in my importance because it was family, peace, solitude, because I have had zero solitude for the past 18 months. (laughs) I am, I'm an extroverted introvert. So I need, I need alone time. So that is something that's super high on my list. Um, Communication, money because you know you don't want to stress about it but it does make the world go round love which funny that i put money before love but i feel like love is part of family for me friendship job and fun oh i did throw health and fitness in there somewhere but then i looked at my actual list and my husband was sitting next to me when i was doing this yesterday and i was just like kind of snorting he's like what i'm like well on the actual it started off with money job, marriage, security, intimacy, those top five. And because I kind of look back at um, our lives, my husband was laid off for seven months during COVID. So we are still, you know, we're paying our bills, but it has been a huge stressor in our lives. So that is where that has, it's actually been, and he has a job now, he's working his butt off, he's making money, but it's literally still such a big part of our life. And it's funny how 
life circumstances. I'm, you know, since I'm four years out from cancer, that's not so much what's affecting my decisions, but it's other life circumstances. So this value assessment can work for so many different parts of life. Yeah. And that, and, and you hit on something really important and that is that our values shift as we go through life. And I think what's important, what's what's valuable about this exercise is it allows us to embrace the fact that change is inevitable um, if we go through life thinking that we are always going to have something at the top of the list and then suddenly we have a dramatic shift and that dramatic shift can be something very positive it can be getting married it can be having a child um, even moving can create a dramatic mm-hmm. shift in our values but so many people get locked into the fact that um, as I move through my world this always has to be the most important thing for me and cancer is an opportunity, and isn't that strange that we can say that? Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit like saying there are silver linings to going through cancer. You can never tell that to a woman when she's first diagnosed. Right. But to the listeners that are out there right now, I'm sure, again, we have bottle hips going, you know, it, it is an opportunity. It is a, um, I like to say it's kind of a reboot of maybe what are some of the things that need, like the spokes in our wheel, to be looked at, to be tended to, to be reassessed, and to be, you know, hopefully given an opportunity to have a little bit more attention in our world. The mm-hmm. value assessment simply gives us a, a guide to how that shift has happened. And I think it's interesting, you know, Having money move to the top of the value list isn't like, oh, you get a a, a, a D minus because you didn't put, you know, right. spirituality or family or love or what have you at the top of the list. It just means that right now your story has a different focus and to allow you to have that focus is okay. And it's funny because I was really thinking about this yesterday and if I had done this, um, say six weeks ago, health and fitness would have been really close to the top of my actual list because I had been really focusing on, I had started seeing a nutritionist. I and was, I had lost 10 pounds. I was on my Peloton all the time. And then I injured myself. Yeah. And so I'm dealing with the depression that comes with that, that I have to walk by my Peloton every day and I can't get on it because I have a back fracture. I'm comfort eating because I'm just pissed that I can't exercise. So like health and fitness has gone down on my actual list right now because it's something I can't focus on it in the same way because of my injury. So it, it, it can change as quickly as that. And that's just a valley. And, you know, we, we talk frequently about the fact that cancer and the diagnosis of cancer is a journey, and you hear that term a lot, but really, if people stop and think about it, life is a journey. And if mm-hmm. you use that beautiful analogy, here we go, a new one, um, <laughs> of being on a path, and when you're walking on a path, the path isn't always paved, you know, (laughs) it's not always going to be going on a nice, easy slope. It's going to have twists and turns. It's going to have peaks and valleys. And just like the path, your life is going to have peaks and valleys right now for yourself. uh, Your, your health and wellness has moved to a valley. Is a valley a terrible thing? Of course not. It's a place of rest. It's a place Mm -hmm. of, uh, 
it's a place where there's a lot of opportunity to revisit. It's not something that you have to say, oh my gosh, it's down there. I can never get it back up again. Because I'll use myself as an example, because you and I both Mm -hmm. know I had had my health and wellness in terms of my physical fitness deep into the valley. I mean, I was deep in the valley. (laughs) And I recently made the decision to up my value structure on my, my health. And I started walking through my neuropathy. And I can honestly say that my health and wellness in terms of where it's landing on my value assessment now is extremely high because I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling encouraged. So I'm in a peak with that right now. I'm on a high of knowing that this has gone from a valley to a peak. And every time you move something up, you always have that beautiful feeling of, wow, this is awesome. I think we can, I think we can continue to look at this as a, a way to not only work with my value assessment, but now I'm starting to see the ripple effect by mm-hmm. putting my toes into the water. So putting my toes and, you know, for yourself right now, your spokes are a little dingy in that department <laughs> because when you fell off the bike, guess what? Or didn't fall off the bike. Yeah, that was I, me. When you I, fell when on hit, the boat. When I hit the boat. <laughs> See, that's the thing is I fell off a bike. She fell on the boat. So yeah, again, we're sisters from another mister. But uh, we both need bubble wrap wrapped mm-hmm. around us. It would be so much safer. But it is uh, such a great example of when something that comes out of the blue, like falling on the boat, um, you had to readjust. You had to realign yourself give yourself grace, allow that to lay in a space that is comfortable. But sooner or later, you're going to look at it again, like your spoke and say, all right, now I'm ready to fix that. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I, uh, a good friend of mine had a birthday last week. Back in May, he and his wife, they retired. They were camping. They camp all summer long in their beautiful motorhome. He fell and shattered his kneecap. And so he was out for the entire summer. Um, I had texted him and, you know, I said, hope things are getting better. And his response was life is about balance. There is as much good as there is bad. You just have to keep that in mind and plow through the bad and appreciate the days that are good. And that really struck my heart. Um, I definitely was, it really, it, it felt, you know, it was just, I love that. But um, I do want to ask one more question about this when we come back, but we are going to take a quick break. So remember listeners out there, you can make a donation to breast friends on our website or by texting BF radio to four, one, four, four, four to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. 
You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest today is Yvonne Nydigger, and we've been talking about life after cancer treatment and all of the pitfalls and the peaks. So Yvonne, before break, we, I had one last question. I really want to talk about the value assessment. So I did that yesterday. I'm assuming that if I was actually going to be a good communicator with my husband, I should have him do this as well. And then we can compare and it would be a good exercise for both of us to see what we're prioritizing and how we can work together on things. Yeah, great question, Michelle. And actually, that is something that I always encourage, whether it's a spouse, um, even somebody, even a family member. It's interesting to watch and see how, and especially in the case of a partner, um, we forget that as we go through cancer, and we may not forget, but we don't always realize the impact that going through cancer has on our partners in life. Well, because and, when you're in cancer treatment, it's like all about me. Yeah, seriously. I, I don't care what's going on with you because <laughs> I have cancer. Uh, yeah, and and they are, in most cases, going, you know, it's all you. You know, it's not about me. I can remember a husband telling me, you know, I would ask him, how are you? And he'd go, honey, I'm fine. It's really, don't worry about me. I'm fine. You just get well. So that is a normal response. But I think when the dust settles, that's it does affect time. everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's when it's time. And this is, a, this is also a great way because sometimes it is, like you say, it's really hard to get these communications started, to just sit down with your, your partner and say, so how the heck are you? You know, how's your, how's your values changed? How are you feeling about all these things? That's a tough one. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that I could have started it, but my husband and I sat down and did the same thing. And, and initially he thought this was kind of funny, like, oh, sure, you know, the crazy girl wants to have me do a little study. Right. And it was amazing. We talked for almost an hour about mm-hmm. how he felt, how I felt about what he wrote down, our comparisons. Something else that's really interesting is uh, if you look at your value assessment when you get done and look at what is item number five. And I don't know, Michelle, on both of yours, um, what was, was there a consistency in terms of what you put in the middle of your value list or what did you put in the middle on both of your lists? Um, on the importance, I had money and love, which apparently money I feel, still think is important. And on my actual, I had intimacy and children. So there are some interesting switches there. <laughs> yeah. And that's that middle zone. And, you know, you think about what lives in the middle of our life. That's kind of the thing that we just know as being our steady. That's kind of our, our consistent. That's the, that's the path when it's got asphalt on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, in your first assessment, money wasn't critical. It was just the thing that was your asphalt. You were walking along on your path. You were feeling comfortable. Your love was there. Everything was nice mm-hmm. and steady. And now you've got a different situation because in your values, you have your, your children. And that to you is your asphalt. I should say that's the thing that now you're looking at, that thing that's just going, okay, yeah, but I've got my kids and I've mm-hmm. got my husband and I've got my relationship. So that money left its role. And even though it went into a peak, 
it still isn't that thing that's right in the middle. So these assessments are great because, again, looking at the highs and lows, looking at it as an opportunity to communicate, whether it's with your partner or even just have somebody you know who knows you well and mm-hmm. went through this journey with you, it's a chance to open communication that you might be surprised to hear what you say as you tell someone else why you chose something. So, yeah, yeah it's a great tool. So now, thank you, that we've, we've looked at our spokes and the ones that need a little help and attention and our values, the idea and actual, how do we how do, we do the work to, to really, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, we've been talking about all the challenges and the peaks and the valleys and, and what we can look at, but how do we do this? Uh, boy, and isn't it amazing how when suddenly you know all the things that you need to do and then you go, yeah, I need to do all this, I need to do all this. And you set these huge, gigantic goals. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> because that's I, what society tells us to do. Yeah. Set goals, work set towards goals. your goals, have motivation. Yeah, right. And even the word goal, it just, you know, all I can think of is the, the soccer game. Soccer pitch. When, goals. Yeah, I know, seriously. And it's that exuberance. is that overwhelming sense of you've done something amazing. Yeah. And side note, if anyone out there is not watching Ted Lasso, you need to watch it. Best show on TV right now. <laughs> because it's about football in the UK, which is soccer to us. Anyway, side note, it's just the goal. Ted Lasso. That's all I've got to say. That was a good squirrel moment. We like squirrel moments. We're good at those. My life yeah, is full of squirrel it's, moments. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the idea that, that goals, when we set them, have to be lofty. And coming off of a diagnosis of cancer, and especially, again, um, all of the things that suddenly have shifted in our universe, things that have maybe become a little bit dented or dingy, um, just the sheer fact that we're managing our body image, we're managing our fear of reoccurrence, we're managing all of the big four, and now we're being expected to set these goals. And what I prefer and what I've kind of created in my own program is the idea of non goal goals. Now, how's that? <laughs> I know. I couldn't come up with a really fancy, pretty word for it. So I thought, okay, they're non-goal Just goals. tell it like it is. It is. And, and this is tying in again to the idea of putting our toes in the water and watching the ripples. <laughs> I love that. But so what, why are non-goal, non-goal goals better than just setting goals? Okay. What, how, how is it different? Okay. So Here's an example of a non-goal goal. All right, I want to get back in shape. I've decided that I want to lose weight. I've gained 50 pounds during chemo because of all the steroids and crap that they've pumped into me, plus all the comfort food that I've managed to in, in, ingest just to keep myself going along. And carbs. I look in the mirror and I, yeah, carbs, carbs. carbs. When I look in the mirror, <laughs> I don't even recognize this person that I see. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get back in shape. Doggone it. I'm going to set a goal. I am going to run five miles every weekend. (laughs) Every weekend, I'm going to run five miles. Well, the weekend comes and the weekend goes and you don't run five miles. Or maybe you run one mile and you go, damn, I'm tired. I can't do five miles. And suddenly that goal of five miles becomes this gigantic cliff that you can't get anywhere near. You can't even get to this, I should say more of a precipice that mm-hmm. you are trying to reach. And, and you're like, I can't get there. No way in hell I can get there. So suddenly this goal 
that's supposed to be an opportunity has become unattainable. Mm -hmm. And now that it's become unattainable, you become unmotivated or you've been fearful or you've lost that sense of inspiration and you don't know what to do. Oh God, I identify with that so much. Yeah, I think everybody does. Everybody does. We've all, we've all said, I want to lose, you know, 30 pounds. We've all said, you know, gosh, I want to, I, I want to run more. Gosh, I want to eat better food. Gosh, I want to, you know, whatever it is, I want to go back to school and get my master's degree. I want to do all these things. And those goals, though they're lofty and they're huge and they're wonderful at certain times in our lives, after a diagnosis of cancer, a non-goal goal is going to give you an opportunity to t- stick your toe in that water in a gentler way. Yeah. For myself, I remember back in, I decided in at the end of 2017 that I wanted to write and I wanted to write a book. And I had gone to a Thriving Beyond Cancer weekend and Sharon Hennepin led us through all these exercises. And I was like, what do you want to do by this time? And I'm like, I'm going to have my book published in 2020 and finished. And guess what? Not finished, <laughs> barely nope. even started because the whole idea of it was just so daunting. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've been realizing I've in my head um, that I'm, I'm breaking it down into little pieces. I need, I'm restructuring it. I'm just going to be like, okay, I just want to start writing a little bit just write a little bit, write a little bit, write a little bit, and then eventually it will be done. So that's much easier to devote an hour than to be like, oh my God, I have to write an entire book. And that right there is a perfect example of a good segue into exactly what it is, what a non-goal goal is. You took down that, and again, I, I hate to, you know, beat the dead horse, but we're going to go back to the expectation bar, which mm-hmm. is parallel to goal setting. You took down that huge, gigantic, expectation bar that you had to be done with this by then and everything that fell below that became not enough mm-hmm. and that failure goes back to that yeah that mm-hmm. goes right that rotates this is like a big cycle ladies this is the type <laughs> of thing that we can create this spinning wheel that says okay I feel like I'm not enough I need to set these goals I'm not able to achieve them so now I feel like I'm not enough again hello, we were that squirrel on that cage Mm -hmm. and things are rolling around. And it's just, it's so much easier if we take a moment to not look at this time in our life as a time when we have to be pushed off the pier. This is a time in our lives when we need to take a moment and say, all right, I'm going to stick my toe in the water as you are doing with your book. And I'm just going to write a little, and then I'm going to write a little bit more. Or like myself saying, I want to start being more healthy and more active. So I'm going to start walking a little and then I'm going to walk a little bit more. I'm not putting an expectation bar up that suddenly I have to walk five miles. You don't have to have your book done by this date. Every time you have an achievement in that process, that non-goal goal process, maybe it's um, in in your work, you want to start feeling like you're contributing a larger piece to the job you were at one time doing a lot more in and now you get tired really easily well instead of saying okay I'm going to go back 40 hours a week (laughs) because that's what I did before say you know what I'm going to start slow I'm going to set a a non-goal goal of going back as much as I comfortably can listening to my body understanding that I have to give myself permission to heal 
And then you're able to move forward in a way that doesn't feel like you are being overwhelmed, you're being frustrated, again, not motivated, and feeling like you're not enough. So. I definitely have those issues. Um, in, in my past career, I was definitely a type perfectionist, control freak. I'm still a bit of a control freak, but, and also as a stay at home mom, I kind of took that on as well, but then having cancer twice completely had to throw all that out the window because it just, you realize you have no control over the cancer. You have control over your attitude and how you handle it, but I'm still in my head. I'm like, I just have these, you know, like you call them reels in my head over and over that I'm my own worst enemy, that I should be doing this and doing that. And how, how do I reframe that in my head? Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, this goes back to the beginning of time. You know, we're all told certain things as we're growing up and those things become, I, I, in my mind, I envision my brain as a storage room for a whole bunch of movie reels. I mean, back in the day, I'm sure <laughs> today's generation has no idea what I'm talking about, but I can remember my, my, um, they have TikTok had, reels. <laughs> yeah, but they but there were these little tiny reels mm -hmm. of tape that, you know, a lot of your grandparents or parents mm -hmm. even have these boxes and boxes and boxes of reels of video that they may have taken of their families. Mm -hmm. And I imagine my brain that way, that there's all these reels. And when I get to a point where I'm thinking about something, that particular reel clicks in. It's like doo -doo -doo, click. And whatever I have told myself over the years is what I'm going to hear. And so many of us have reels in our minds that are telling us things that may or may not be true. And then when we go through cancer, uh, we have a whole new layer of things that are adding to that. So what you what, to change a reel in your mind takes repetition, takes visualization, and takes commitment. Mm -hmm. So if you want to change a reel, you need to make the decision that I don't want to think this way about myself anymore. Let's say it's body image. Let's say your reel is telling me I'm not enough. I don't look beautiful anymore. I feel heavy. I don't feel attractive. Um, that reel that's going on in your mind right now is giving you a false sense of what you truly are. Mm -hmm. And that is a warrior woman. And I believe, you know, in a previous segment, I mentioned, and it's worth repeating, you know, having a beautiful woman who shared with us that the real in her mind had always been because she was a heavy set woman. And she says, I was no beauty and I was fat. And when I looked in the mirror, I saw what I had told myself I was. My real said that I was fat and I wasn't beautiful. And when I went through cancer, I lost my hair. I battled. I looked worn and torn. But when I got on the other side and I looked in the mirror, I looked at my body and I looked at who I was as a human being. And I said, damn, you are incredible. You are, you're at that body carried me through cancer. This beautiful, illuminous person went through something that most of the population would not have to endure and came out the other side. And she says, I love my body now. I love who I am. I look in the mirror and I'm proud of the person that I see. And that to me is a changing of a wheel. And that's a dramatic change. Mm -hmm. But if you want to start to make a change, a really good tip and tool, post-it notes. 
godmother <laughs> post-it note. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to start something, um, like you say, Michelle, you want to start working on your book, make a little note, put it up on your refrigerator, say, I'm going to write today. And maybe that's only a paragraph, but I'm going to write today. And then when you do write, you're going to give yourself an attaboy and say, oh, my God, great job you wrote today. And that's going to change that wheel of you have to write a book by 2020 to all of these small steps you've taken, all of these small touches are giving you an opportunity to give yourself the grace to do this at the right pace. That's really funny. You mentioned the post-it note. I have a letter board on my desk. <laughs> I know you and, do. <laughs> and it, for, for months, it was, have you Pelotoned today? Um, and I would, every time I would come to my desk and work, I would look at that. And if I hadn't gotten on the bike yet, I'm like, okay, I got to get on the bike and get some sweat going on. And I can't do that right now. And I'm lit- I was literally thinking, what do I do to put on there now? And it's going to be, have you written today? So in that way, every time I come sit here and look at that, I'll be like, okay, that's motivation. It's just a little bit. It doesn't have to be hours or all day. Just get something out there. Yeah. And that's, that's what's beautiful about that, Michelle, is you chose something in your spoke that you can work on. Now, maybe before you were working on health and wellness, but guess what? You had a reason that you had to shift your dynamic. And that's a really mm-hmm. good point. Ladies, if you're working on something and suddenly something else becomes a priority, you don't have to continue to be just focused on one thing. Make that dynamic shift over to suddenly saying, okay, now I need to put a little bit of love here, but I'll go back. I can go back. I don't have to fix the whole wheel all at once. And if you have two or three wheels going, separately at different times, it's still all going to come together. It's fluid. It's motion. So yeah, that's great. Perfect. Well, good timings. I think we're getting to an end of a subject and <laughs> we're going to wrap up, wrap up on the next segment. So we are going to take a break and stay with us and we'll be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. 
you may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, and thanks for staying with us for our final wrap-up of this series, Life After Cancer. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Yvonne Nydigger. So picking up where we left off, in the past two episodes, we've discussed the big four issues which have plagued so many of us, fear of recurrence, body image, how to properly communicate what we've been feeling and going through, and the fear of not being enough. So let's take a few minutes at the end, take what we've learned and apply it to these topics. So let's start with um, fear of recurrence because it's a huge one. I know for many, many of us who've been through this and I can just say one word, scanxiety, and I'm sure it <laughs> resonates with, with you out there because I'm four years out and I still experience it a little bit. You know, like when I go in like, oh, it's time, it's time for my six, every six month checkup. And I will tell you that since I'm almost five years out, my oncologist mentioned to me at my last appointment, he's like, yeah, next time I see you, we're going to move out to a year appointment apart. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I was like, hell to the no. Like, I was just, there's still so much fear around the recurrence issue. And I, I just help. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I wish I had a magic pill for the fear of reoccurrence. I could, I could live in luxury for the rest of my life because, unfortunately, I think this is the thing that that there's no way to escape it. Uh, it is inevitable that fear is a part of our lives. It doesn't matter, you know, if everything in our world is going perfectly. We still have ways to manifest fear, and, and I think that all ties back into fight and flight. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 have to have that sense of adrenaline. It's what keeps us alive. It is, it Mm -hmm. is. And it's what carried us through cancer. But unfortunately, it's also the thing that becomes that residual that follows us. And uh, there's, it's interesting because over and over again, doesn't matter at what stage women happen to be. Um, I've had women who were just diagnosed. And the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, what if this comes back? What if I go through all of my process and this Mm -hmm. comes back? Even before they've started treatment. So, you know, once you've finished your treatment and you, like you say, you're facing those, those, um, and this is something that I will kind of use as a visualization Uh, The first time you go for your mammogram is a time in your life where you are looking at another really big door. I mean, I I would have to say that during cancer, one of the biggest doors is stepping into your first treatment or going for your first surgery or whatever Mm -hmm. that first thing happens to be. And we all know that that space of time prior to starting or doing whatever it is, is probably the most terrifying time of your life. Right. Because uh, you have no idea what it go- is going to entail. No. And that's, that's what fear is. It's really the unknown. Yeah. We're not afraid knowing. of. And that big dark door. And, mm-hmm. and so as we are sticking our toe in the water of fear, recognize the fact that we're oftentimes more afraid of the door and the passageway to it than when the actual open item. the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has gone through, you know, whether you've been on stage, whether you've, you know, done a presentation at work, all of those things are doors and they're big and dark and scary. But once that door opens and once the light 
hits it. Um, even going in for chemotherapy, I know I speak again for lots of women because I've heard this, I've experienced it myself. The fear of going in for my first chemo treatment was so much more than sitting in the chair and actually having it the first time. Mm-hmm. So realizing that every time you have a fear, such as an appointment, such as a lump or a bump, such as something that is maybe a little bit scary that happens in this process, once you have the facts, once you have the, the test, once you have the appointment, all of that will dissipate and become just a part of this process. So breathing into that, practicing the fact that this is something that's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Um, I'm 11 years out. Do I still get afraid when something happens? Of course. But I now know, and this is another thing that is really good to think of, and that is if you think about fear as, and especially fear of reoccurrence, as a gigantic gash on your arm. You know, we've all had cuts or boo-boos that hurt every time we move, you know, you you can't even breathe without the darn thing hurting. Mm -hmm. That is initially the fear of reoccurrence. Now, once you have reached a stage where that gash is starting to scab over, and I say maybe a year, year and a half out, you still know it's there. You can still see it. It still makes it sore every once in a while. So maybe that first trip into the doctor is Mm -hmm. going to be a little bit more ouchy because it hasn't quite healed. Remember, it takes a millimeter a month to heal. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give that scar some grace and understand that it hasn't quite healed. But they'll reach a point where now it's a very, very faint scar on your arm. That's what I have. 11 years out, I have a faint scar. Mm -hmm. Now, Does the cold weather every once in a while make that scar hurt? Does a lump or bump occasionally make that little bit of fear pop up? Of course it will. But now you know how to breathe into that space because you've gone through so much and you understand that, yes, 99.9% of the time, it's going to be nothing and you're going to be fine. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a great way to think about fear. Look at where you are. Look where your scar is. If it's still red hot, if you're just out of treatment, of course, it's going to be very, very important in your world. So that's okay. Just know that with time, it's going to heal. It's going to get stronger. You're going to feel it less. And there'll be months where you don't think about the fear of reoccurrence. There'll be Mm -hmm. years where it doesn't cross your mind. I promise. Mm -hmm. It just, it really brings to mind the old adage that time heals all wounds. It does. And it does. It, you know, might not heal them 100%, but it does, it does get better with time. And Yvonne and I can both attest to that. You know, when I first met Yvonne, I was in my treatment year and a hot mess. And now I'm only a hot mess every other day that ends in Y. But. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it does get better. And I think it's knowing that you are strong enough and you are enough to face that fear and to move forward because the alternative stinks. Yeah. So it's literally just live every day and face your fears and move forward and it does get better. So let's move on to a big one for me, which is body image. Mm-hmm. And you shared a story recently of um, one of our patients at work who realize that she has a whole new love and admiration for her body after cancer. Um, I will say she is probably not the norm. 
because, <laughs> you know, I, I love her spirit and I love that, but it, cancer changes our bodies in so many ways. For me, I, I have scars. I have a literally across my torso, you know, I have my reconstruction scars. I have my hysterectomy scars. I've got scars on my back, but the way I've taken it and the way I look at it is I have scars because I've lived. Mm -hmm. I have wrinkles because I smile and because I laugh and because I'm here every day and, and my body, while there was cancer in it, it's no longer there. And my body helped me with that. And my body is still keeping me here every day with the scars and the wrinkles. And so I've learned to, I've learned to embrace it and to love it. And it's not an easy thing to do because I am a different size and shape and look than I used to be, but my heart is still the same. And, you know, anybody who knows me and loves me doesn't look at the scars or the weight. Well, thank you for raising your hand. I'm raising my (laughs) hand to the love me. Um, And, and so true and so beautiful. And I, I love your honesty because it is hard. I think it is hard for all of us. Um, we live in a society where we're, we're so measured by what we see in the mirror. But let's all go back to that image of the warrior and as she comes through battle. Mm-hmm. And seeing that visualization and being able to recognize the fact that who you're seeing in the mirror now is a reflection of a a powerful, incredibly brave woman. And the other thing I think that's really important, and years ago I did an exercise that was fabulous, and it was a, an exercise in talking to your body. And talking to your body, we have to remember that our bodies did not, in most cases, cause our cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't know what causes cancer. We can't put a finger on it and say, I did this. And so this caused cancers, but our bodies did not, were not the, the, they were a part of the situation as much as our minds and our Mm -hmm. spirit was. Right. And we tend to separate ourselves from our body in a time like this. We say, okay, this is the bad guy over here. This is the guy over here that had cancer. This is the area that lost its breasts and now has these fake implants in it. Or this is the part that has the big old ugly scar or the radiation damage or whatever it happens to be. We tend to take all of that and we place it in a space that's apart from our mind and our spirit. And we don't realize and we don't take the the opportunity to bring all of those three components back into one safe space and say we're all part of the same team mm-hmm. mind body and spirit we are part of the same team yeah all connected and, yeah it's all connected and in this exercise i was mentioning and it's something that um i can give you a, a quick description of but basically you have a partner and your partner is reflecting you as uh, is reflecting your body and you take a moment and you talk to your body and you tell your body how you feel and maybe you are telling and i'm going to use myself as an example talking to michelle prior to what i'm doing right now and i'm going to use you as my body and i'm going to say oh, 
body. I'm so frustrated with you. I know you went through cancer, but dang it, why can't I walk? I don't understand why I can't walk. Why can't I do the things I want to do? And I, I just, you, I feel like you failed me. And that was a part of me that was so important. That's a really quick version of my conversation a few years ago with my mm-hmm. body. Now, as you as my body, you might respond by saying, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. And you know what? I know we hurt, but I can help you and I can be a part of this with you. So it's an opportunity to share and have that person you're sharing with respond back to you in a way that's helpful and positive. So that's just one potential tool to use in your toolbox. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great way to go. So there's two more things we want to discuss, but one is communication and to wrap it up. But I think in, in a couple months, Yvonne and I are going to do a whole episode on communication and a whole episode on body image. So I'm going to kind of skip communication and wrap up to kind of something that just sums it all up. The feeling that we're not enough after cancer. Yeah. And and because (laughs) it has changed us in so many ways. Um, Let's talk about that for the last, last minute or so we have. Okay. And, you know, I could talk for hours on this subject, and I'm so mm-hmm. excited that you and I are going to do a follow-up to this because yep. I think there's so much more opportunity with those last two topics. So please stay tuned. But what I want to do is actually quote from a book, and it's a book a lot of you may know or have already, and if you don't, you should get it. It's called You Are a Badass, and it's by um, Jean Sincero, and it's an absolutely fabulous book. The one I have, because she has multiples, is How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. And what is in this book is magic. And you can apply this to so much of what we talked in. But on page 55, 55, Mm -hmm. remember that page, there's a particular quote that says, appreciate how special you are. And I'm going to read it because it's so wonderful. There will never be anyone exactly like you. You were given special gifts and talents to share with the world. And even though everybody has special gifts and talents, Nobody will use theirs quite the same way you do. You have a way of being in the world and a perspective that's unique to you. You are the only one who thinks your thoughts the way you think them. You have created your own unique reality and are living your life according to your own unique path. You are the only you that will ever be. You are kind of a big deal. And I'm going to add to that, you are enough. I love that. I wish she would have just finished it with, you are a badass. So we're just going to leave it there. Yeah. You yeah. are a badass yeah. because no matter badass what. Badass equals enough. Think about it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because we've, we've been there. We've been through it. So Yvonne, you oh. are the yang to my ying. And thank you so much for being here today. I thank love you for having me. working with you. And this is such an important topic. So we're going to come back in the fall, as I said, and really break down some of these big issues a lot more. But Again, make sure listeners out there, you subscribe to the podcast and or tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. on Voice America so you don't miss them. Also, if you or a loved one are in need of our services, please visit breastfriends.org. You can make a donation there on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. You can find our show on Voice America's health and wellness channel, or search Breast Friends wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to nominate yourself to be a guest or to share a warrior story or have comments, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. 
Remember, we will be back next week and we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.